This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer and you are listening to the Afternoons podcast. On today's episode, integrative medical expert, Dr. Shafali Verma. She's got decades of experience and turning her attentions and expertise this hour to hormones and women's health. We were discussing PMS, recurrent miscarriage, boosting your fertility and the importance of why what you eat could have an impact on all of that. We are talking health this hour, specifically hormones and women's health with Dr. Shafali Verma, qualified in medicine, my goodness, more than 20 years ago. Uh, Since 2009, she's been in private practice in Dubai as an integrative medical doctor and is really passionate about moving away from what she calls the current reactive healthcare model. Lovely to have you with us, Dr. Shafali. How are you today? Lovely. I'm good, actually. But tired, like you did sort of say. I'm feeling a really low energy and I think there's a few things at play there. I think the weather is a bit of a... Helping. Gear gear change. (laughs) I don't mind it. I don't either, actually. It's a bit, it's quite nice, actually, for a change. Yeah, and I just think, you know, there's a lot lot going on right now. Um, And I think everyone is just feeling a little bit world weary. Yeah, it's Um, all a bit heavy, isn't it, really? It's very heavy. It's very heavy. So... We are on hand this afternoon. If something's are weighing on your mind on the medical front, um, don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit, a bit of background around you. Now, what do we need to know about you and your path to understand where you got to this point in your career and, and why you're so passionate about this integrative approach? Mm. So um, integrative, I mean, this is actually the most interesting thing, really, is that I actually qualified first as a conventional um, doctor in the UK um, and then I went through you know the same NHS sort of things but I lost my dad actually in my final year at medical school and it kind of it changed because I became the the the, the uh, family mm-hmm. uh, of the um, patient mm-hmm. and I it, it, the relationship between doctor patient really changed for me so when I went back into the hospital I realized that I actually wanted to know more about the family and it wasn't just a bed number and a priority and who's going to be who's sicker and who's not it I wanted to know more and mm-hmm. it, it's very difficult in the NHS you know um, and I needed some space so when I took space I decided that I would do sports medicine so I ended up doing my master's in sports medicine because I felt like the worst thing I can do is tell somebody they might not be able to play their sport mm-hmm. but it wasn't as morbid as you know, my clinical practice at that time was. And that gave me that break. Um, And then I went into body composition and training and, you know, and then basically what you are in terms of performance as an athlete is based upon all the, you know, lifestyle and all the other roadblocks in life, as Mm -hmm. it were. And I retrained in sort of, you know, nutritional therapy at the time from the UK. And then I created what is now, you know, my integrative medical practice. And how does that come into play, particularly with women's health, with what we're talking about today, that kind of whole body approach, doctor? Well, I think that's actually the most interesting thing is that when we went to medical school and we had to learn about the women's hormones versus men's hormones, it could take a month. We'd have like a month of education. Whereas with the men's hormones, it might take a week because it is so complex. Um, But we're not just ovaries and a uterus. We are still, the uterus and the ovaries are still connected to the digestive system. 
still connected to sort of like the mental health aspect of hormones, we're really like connected that it is an integrative approach mm-hmm. to really understand what might be going on but also the cycle hits later so it's like you know you go through like that puberty but you had like however 10 years to 12 to 13 years and then you hit puberty and then you become a quote unquote like you know um woman i guess in some ways well after the age of 18 but but what your practices and what your lifestyle is like up until then affects what your hormonal life is going to be like and no one puts that together they think oh it started it didn't just start then you know even now when you look at puberty in children and I don't do that much with children but with my own kids being sort of at that age you learn so much as a mother that the time from say changes to the time they actually get their period could be like two years Right. So nothing happens overnight Mm -hmm. as much as one thinks it. And then much in the same way towards the end of that fertility journey as a woman, when we look about, you know, perimenopause lasting 10 years, for example, before you. you It is 10 years. That's what they say. 10 years is the whole perimenopause journey before you go into that one year of no periods that actually defines the menopause. But that perimenopause, just like your premenstrual sort of symptoms can be very different in every one, right? Why is that? Why do we not all have exactly the same thing? What are the triggers? Mm -hmm. And that's where the integrative approach affects you know, the outcome. Really interesting. It must be interesting for you as a practitioner, but for us this afternoon to be able to help, help out people. This content is for informational purposes only and is not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Shapali Verma is with us today, an integrative medical doctor. So yes, trained conventionally, but has a huge interest and specialism in nutrition, supplements, mind and body and gut connection, all of that. And we're talking women's health in particular today. Can we talk about fertility and actually male and female fertility? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you tend to recommend if someone was to come to you and they say, you know what, we're looking to start a family. We haven't had any issues as such. What are some of the really kind of proactive um, steps that a couple could take to really improve their chances? So if anyone comes in, and even if they're just talking about fertility, they may think that that might be the only thing that they want to sort of touch on, but I would touch on everything. So I would take a full history like I would with anybody else. I would still talk about sleep. I would still talk about food. I would still talk about current supplements, medication, family history, you name it. Um, because it gives me an idea of what kind of like is been going on. So we don't need to wait for them to have fertility problems. Mm. So again, with the whole proactive aspect of the way I like to look at things, we want to prevent them. So if there's anything that I feel like could be better, those are the things I suggest. So gut health is huge. I always talk about it all the time, but because gut health affects mood, but it affects the immune system. It affects absorption of nutrients. It affects also affects detoxification. And why detoxification is really important is because if someone isn't able to use the bathroom every day, so if their bowel movements are not regular, they're not detoxifying the hormones on a daily basis as they should. And that's how we develop the imbalance over time. Okay, so let me just try and get my head around this. So if you're not detoxifying and those hormones, are they not replenishing? Things aren't, I guess fresh and consistent correct but also every every sort of every time we produce say hormones from the ovaries and so on and so forth and different glands they go through their own 
they don't necessarily need to be recirculated on and off, right? They're, they're made all the time. And we actually detoxify them through the stool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we're not able to detoxify them, then we end up having an imbalance in the estrogen progesterone. That already can change hormones and cycles in terms of symptoms. So I always ask about gut health because it matters. If you have symptoms of potentially food sensitivity, so if you are, have eczema or asthma or you know hay fever or runny nose or all the symptoms that I would talk about, not just digestive, that is telling me that certain foods are inflaming you. I would try and convince you to remove those foods because we want to, you know, years ago, I remember watching this um, episode on Grey's Anatomy and so Meredith, doctors watch this as well. Meredith was talking about her, um, she called it a uterus that was hostile, my hostile uterus. And that really stuck with me because I think that when you think about, you know, uh, pregnancy and you think about, you know, the implantation, we want to, we want to sort of have a least hostile uterus as possible. A nice, welcoming, hospitable environment. Yeah. So then you think about all the things, what can I take out? So I, again, I talk about food sensitivities and I suggest we do a test so we can take away food sensitivities. We talk about nutrients. I actually test nutrients. There are certain nutrients that I think are important for quality of cells and ultimately a sperm cell and an egg cell are cells. So be it zinc, be it you know, coenzyme Q10, which helps the energy of the cell. Um, I always suggest uh, looking, and I look at all the nutrients. So vitamin D, because vitamin D is very important for the immune immune system. Um, And so I will often test them and I will often supplement them accordingly as well you know, to improve that. Dr. Shivali with us today. It's interesting you touch on that and I'm certainly not going to name names, but I've had friends who've spent a huge eye-watering amount on fertility treatment and IVF, but haven't looked at those other factors like smoking, for example, or diet. I'm like, wow, you know, yeah, whole body approach. Um, Dr. Shivali with us today. You are more than welcome to reach out. You can be completely anonymous on the text line um, or indeed the phone line. And we've got a message now about uh, bioidentical hormones. So Dr. Shivali, if you can grab some headphones... Let me see if we can find you some. Have a shuffle around. Um, 04871 is the phone line and is the WhatsApp. Otherwise, you've got 4001. Hello, caller. How can we help? Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. Um, um, how are you, um, Dr. Shivali? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, um, good thank you. Um, so my question is, I've been on uh, bioidentical for the last six years now. I'm 50 years old. Um, my gynae put me on that because I fractured my leg um, and I, they found out I had osteopenia. So she ran some tests and said that I needed extra, um, you know, so my hormone levels were quite low at that time. So I went on that. Um, but since then, I've had other issues and I know that it could be age related. But I just wonder if bioidentical is the right way to go. Is there anything else I could try? Because I'm still having issues, other issues, um, which, you know, the hormones haven't really sorted out. So bioidentical hormones are basically hormones that uh, we assume our body kind of detects as if they're our own. So they're kind of, they are still obviously artificial, but it is taken better by the body as it were so i don't think i do think that in this day and age 
I would probably suggest bioidentical hormones first versus any of the other, you know, HRT that used to be, you know, prescribed in the past. Um, but I think the question is, is what are the issues that we're trying to solve first? So obviously, I think at that time when you found out that you had, you know, osteopenia, osteoporosis, potentially mm-hmm. your estrogens were a little bit on the lower side. And that's why yeah. it was, you know, so this needs to be re-looked at. So they need to look at the reason in which they had given it to you in, in the first place. And has it done the job that it was? Has it stopped, you know, or has it decreased or is it worsened and so on and so forth? But then this is also something that you need to go back to the person who prescribed and say, okay, now because I've been on these, I also now have X, Y, and Z, and let them do the further testing, not from then when you started it six years ago, but from today, because ultimately things change um, over time, and that needs to look at. And really, somebody should look at you a little bit more holistically, because like I was, you know, trying to suggest that it is much more of an integrative approach in terms of, you know, gut health, in terms of where you are in your, you know, sort of you know, perimenopause, menopause, where are you, what's happening, and and how are you actually tolerating? So taking in hormones or anything else extra, you still have to detoxify them. So if you don't have a good gut, if you don't have, you know, you all are not going to respond to them exactly the same way. And that's why doses may need to be changed and optimized for you. Mm-hmm. So maybe a fresh look. And as you said, look at, yeah. and we, we talked on the show recently about, you know, the number of women that have been prescribed antidepressants instead of HRT because of, you know, perimenopausal and menopausal anxiety and insomnia and dryness and all these different exactly. issues that can come into play. Um, Caller, I will send you Dr. Shavali's details so you can guys can connect offline if that would be okay. Thank you so much. No, you're most welcome. Take care and stay well. Um, Dr. Shafali Verma with us today. This content is for informational purposes only and is not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Dr. Shafali Verma is in the studio today. She's been a doctor for decades, training in that conventional style that we were talking about earlier, specialising in sports nutrition and now that real whole body approach that can be so so beneficial especially when we're looking at something as complex as hormones and women's health in particular we're talking about today this has been in touch saying someone told me recently that recurring miscarriage could be linked to dental health is this possible yeah it is possible actually a lot can be associated with dental health um your mouth has a lot of bacteria, um and it actually goes unnoticed a lot of the times because you're just there before you go for your like dental hygiene, mm. you know, and it might be twice a year. But in, in that time, you know, if you have inflammation of your gums or if you have, you know, periodontitis or you have, you know, a hidden, say, say you have like a root canal and you've got like, you know, budding germs underneath, those germs actually are part of your digestive system because your digestive system starts from the mouth all the way to the anus. So that also causes inflammation, um, and that's very important to m- make sure that you're, you, again, get rid of as much inflammation as you can. Because once the immune system is aware of this, you know, I say this in clinic all the time. I say the two things the body does not need to do if they're under stress is have a baby or lose weight, mm-hmm. right? Just doesn't need to do it. It's smart. So if there is this chronic underground underlying inflammation, bacteria, infection going on, you know, it can decrease, you know, the ease of conception. Wow. 
that's that's really really fascinating so it's trying to protect you in some ways well yeah because you're not really protecting yourself technically interesting gosh okay um we have had a message um anonymous message and you of course can leave your name off if you prefer saying "Um, i've sadly lost three babies all at the 10 week ish mark i've been tested for thyroid issues blood clotting issues and all the other blood related disorders my consultant can think of i've also had ivf had those embryos tested and they're genetically normal the consultant was to give me aspirin heparin and progesterone for the next pregnancy but I don't see that as a magic cure as my blood test results have shown nothing um, of issues to treat. It seems like most people who have recurrent miscarriages have an actual problem that's been identified and I hate hearing that mine is unexplained. I just want to say I'm so, so, so sorry for those losses yeah. and I think that unexplained must be so frustrating and stressful, you know, in, it's, you, if there isn't a problem that you clearly identify. And I know it's really hard from one message, Dr. Shafali, but what, what questions would you be asking and any advice for this listener? So, I mean... In the first three months um, of pregnancy, it is most often where the progesterone is sort of at its highest until the placenta has grown and taken over. So I don't think progesterone is a bad idea, you know. Um, It's all, sometimes it isn't about what is the number in the range, but it is what that number is in the ratio. So Mm -hmm. your estrogen-progesterone ratio, so you might need more progesterone to keep it intact. Um, the good news is, is that you can get pregnant. So don't lose that hope because obviously you have managed to get pregnant three times. The progesterone is a good idea. I do think, you know, all the stuff related with the aspirin and things like that, if they're clots, they're affecting, you know, and they just want to make sure that, you know, the vessels are clear and it, it all makes sense. I do think, and I have tried a lot, is to get the fertility doctors to, I know I, and I, I sound like a broken record, but to do things like food sensitivity testing. Because we do all these really expensive tests that go all over the world and chromosome analysis and all kinds of stuff. But the things that you do every day, several days, several times a day is eat. Mm -hmm. And if you're inflaming on foods that you eat on a daily basis and the immune system is, you know, wired all the time, you know, you can take away that very easily if you knew the foods that you're sensitive. So I don't think that's also a A bad bad idea. idea. As much as you're frustrated also with the fact that, you know, there's, you know, nothing wrong, that is also a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know. So sometimes it's also... you know, A, getting pregnant, B, not really having anything medically, you know, wrong with you is also a good thing. Um, But I think it's doing the little tests. Simple goes first. And I think we often go to the more complicated, but common things are common. And I would start to look at other, you know, aspects and have, you know, someone more integrative look at, you know, sort of day-to-day things to just improve you in in general. Thank you. Dr. Shafali with us today. How do you feel about a quick-fire question round? Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No choice. To the text line saying, do I need supplements to remove my menopause and COVID belly? Never had a six-pack, but now I'm the Michelin woman. I mean, I don't think supplements alone, the, the whole idea of definition of supplements it, it supplements everything else, right? So it is still looking at diet, sleep, you know, mood. So no, not just supplements, but they can supplement everything else. What would you suggest? Um, in terms of supplements or in terms of lifestyle? Supplements. Um, I mean, I probably would say, I would probably look at like a magnesium. I would definitely have you on an omega-3. I probably would even put you on an evening primrose oil. Um, I would put you on a fiber uh, as well, so that, you know, we're definitely pulling out and detoxifying uh, and making sure that, you know, you're actually 
detoxifying, as it were. Makes sense. Um, I would probably put you on, anti- on an antioxidant, like a greens powder, because I think it's easy. Make sure you're having enough protein. Okay. You know. Makes sense. Um, no Name says, any advice on meds for cramps during periods? I mean, the first thing I would say is if this is something consistently happening every single month, you have a lot of PMS symptoms and it is a heavy period and that's why you're getting cramps. I mean, I would put somebody on evening primrose oil, but with an omega-3. So I don't just give them evening primrose oil. I give them an omega-3 as well. I also would give them some magnesium and vitamin B6 as okay. well. Um, and the anonymous, anonymous message saying, why do I get an upset tummy at that time of the month? I mean, we were having this discussion earlier. I think that the pelvis is relatively small and a lot is going on at that time. But the hormones up and down and then the progesterone suddenly dropping. I think a lot of people are constipated first in beforehand or it slows down a little bit because of the progesterone. And then they have like a gush of like, you know, it all looser. happens. Yeah, it kind of like all happens. Um, and then a lot happens, especially the first day or two. Um, and the pain is because it is actually cramping because the uterus is cramping to get rid of, you know, um, what it needs to. And last question from T saying, does PMS get worse as you get older? Do you know what? It shouldn't, to be honest. It shouldn't. But if whatever is the reason why you have got PMS, and most often PMS is an estrogen dominance, so there's more estrogen relative to the progesterone. So if you're not detoxifying and your estrogen is just increasing, so over time, as you get older, you are basically widening that gap and therefore your symptoms are getting worse. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Whew, that was a quick fire round. I did all right, actually. You did very well. If I, had a, if I had a little bell, I'd ring it for you. Um, <laughs> Dr. Shvali, where is the best place to find you in person? And then I've had many people asking for your details for your Instagram, so you can send me the word doc on 4001. But to find you for consultations, what's what's the best method? So, I mean, actually, is to connect with me on Insta or um, I have a website, docshvali.com. Uh, uh, write me. I'll send you details of the clinic. But I have a clinic in Healthcare City called Iraq. But again, I can send you the details if you connect with me. That's the easiest thing. Four zero zero. What am I asking? What about diet? Increased red meat, um, milk. But oh my goodness, animal-based. <laughs> pro- interesting. Reducing inflammation through through a, more of a plant-based. She's nodding along. No, so I wouldn't say plant-based, but dairy is something that I do think is inflammatory, and also dairy is cow's breast milk so it has its own hormones it has its own growth factors so taking away something like that does actually benefit like the whole pms would i stop red meat no i wouldn't i wouldn't say that by itself um but dairy yeah i would probably say that more dr shvali verma with us today this content is for informational purposes only and is not intend to substitute professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.